All right. Good morning. Was that a fun time? Thank you, Lord. That was a wonderful time. Thank you so much, worship team. Are you thankful today? Thanksgiving's past, but you can still be thankful, right? I'm thankful for the United States Constitution, First Amendment. I was just thinking, you know what? We have freedom to assemble. And I'm grateful for that. I don't want to take that for granted, guys. I want to be thankful for that. So, um, I hope that didn't offend you. I'm more thankful for Jesus. <laughs> I remember when I was probably 12 years old, I was at an event. And there was an old man, he's a little strange, he was walking around, and he was handing out booklets, and I walked over to him, and I said, you know, what are you, what are you handing out? And he said, this is the pocket constitution, read it, young man, you'll be wiser than most other people. <laughs> anyway, can't say I read it all. I know a few things. All right, so... Um, excited with what I got to share with you this morning. I want to talk a little bit about discernment, just because that's where I am the last while. I feel more in need of discernment than ever before in my life. Any of you, are, any of you there? There's like a flood of information in the world right now, and it seems like everybody has an opinion. And, and uh, you know, it's, it goes from this end to this end. And I'm like, what is truth? What is, what is true? How do I know? How do I know that what I'm believing right now about a certain situation is true? Anybody ask himself that question? I've watched, I've watched interviews, video interviews of people saying words. And that very same day, I see whole news articles written that say exactly the opposite. And like, ah, uh, it's coming from every side. How do I know it's true? Discernment, it's very important today. You got you to gotta have discernment. You got to have discernment not only in the world, but you got to have discernment in your marriage. If you're going through something that's difficult, you need discernment. You need discernment in relationships. If you ask somebody what they're going through and they say, I'm fine, but something tells you that there's something behind the I'm fine. Discernment will tell you the difference between right and wrong, true and false, good and evil. Discernment will tell you the hidden motives of the heart. Discernment will answer the question behind the question to quote Pastor Phil's favorite book. Right? Discernment will tell you that. Discernment comes from the Lord. And we'll look at a couple of things um, that talk about that. But discern and deceive come from the same root word. Did you know that? Discernment and deceive. We got to know the, the difference. And I think, I really believe that the Lord wants to give us that. I, uh, I, I titled the sermon, Understanding the Times. I don't know if you got that, if you know where that's from, 
But there's a little verse in 1 Chronicles 12.32. And um, it's fascinating because it's, it's in a time in Israel's history. It has this quote in. Men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. It was a time in Israel's history when they were completely divided. There was, in effect, two kings. There was the house of Saul and his kingdom. David had been anointed king. Half of Israel was following Saul. The house of Saul. Half of Israel is following David, who's been anointed, and extremely divided. Just like, I think, what we're facing in America. If you study history at all, you'll see that what America's going through is nothing new. It happens over and over again, where nations divide to the point of hating each other. And, and sometimes there's a ripping, sometimes there's a tearing but there's usually some kind of event that brings them back together. We don't know what that'll look like in America yet, but I think it's good that we discern, that we understand the times. So in, in this verse in, in Chronicles, it, it, it's telling the names of the people that went from the house of Saul to the house of David. And it says Issachar. Issachar was one of the 12 sons, one of the 12 tribes. It says, from Issachar, 200 chiefs, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their kingsmen at their command. If they knew how to understand the times back then, wouldn't it be wonderful to think that you and I as Christians, being filled with the Holy Spirit, we would have an understanding of the times that we're living in? Don't you think we should understand? I think. I think the Lord wants to lead you and wants to show you things that are hidden. Sometimes you've got to dig for discernment. You know, it doesn't always just lay on the top. Just some interesting facts. Now, <laughs> uh, the Bible doesn't say this. Our, our Bible, I read that the Hebrew, the Talmud, um, it said in there that the sons of Issachar, they were astronomers and they studied the stars. And, and they, took, they took things from the stars, from different events that happened as to things that would transpire on earth. I thought, well, that's interesting. Isn't that what the three wise men did? Did they see a Christmas star and they said, this means that there's a new king born and they went to search him out. The, that's what the Bible says, right? I'm not telling you to study the stars, but it is interesting. You know what's happening next week? <laughs> Some people call it the Christmas star. And it's where Saturn and Jupiter come together. The last time it happened was 800 years ago, right? This close, back in the Middle Ages. And they actually say that this same event happened in like 7 BC, which is very near the time of Jesus' birth. So we don't know if that's what happened. It's interesting to think that way. I'm not telling you to believe that. I'm just, I'm just giving you some interesting information. I thought it was interesting. Um, 
this, again, this isn't in the Bible, but in, in the ancient Persia, where, where they thought the wise men came from, they would actually worship stars. They would worship planets. And, you know, they, they thought they were gods. Jupiter, they said, stood for royalty. Saturn stood for old rulers. So when the two of them would come together, they would, I, I'm just surmising, they thought royalty and old rulers come together, new king is born. This isn't gospel, okay, guys? This isn't in the Bible. But I do know the wise men took a journey that was, some people say, is a couple weeks, a couple months to travel and find the baby king laying in a manger. They put together a big convoy. Anyway, these people didn't have the Holy Spirit. You and I have the Holy Spirit. So... I want to search him out. I want to discover his heart. And I want to just believe that he wants me to understand the will of God. I'm just going to believe that. And I, I do that already in a way that if I get in a situation where I don't know what to do. Say I'm faced with a choice. It makes a difference if I just stop and I become aware of God. And I'm like, <laughs> Holy Spirit, you're inside of me. You know all truth. I, I, I don't yet. I don't know what to do, but you do. Do you understand? Stop. Become aware of God. And then make a move forward. I think that's a great thing to do. Anyway, if you want to turn to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5:15 We're going to look at something here. <clears throat> I uh I was praying this week and I was asking the Lord what, you know, what can I share and, and I feel like I heard inside I heard walk circumspectly. So I googled it. And it's Ephesians 5. So we're going to look at it. Good with you guys. Here we're going to read it. Ephesians 5:15 to 21. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. All right, we don't use the word circumspectly very often, do we? When was the last time you used that in a conversation? But, if you've ever gone hunting, you know how to walk circumspectly, right? For a couple of you that never gone hunting, I should get somebody to stand up and give a demonstration. Yuri, did you ever go hunting? Yeah, all right. You know how to walk circumspectly, all right? You're walking, you're looking for something, and you're aware of your surroundings, right? 
You're aware of what's, what's happening around you. You're looking for something, but you're also aware of this bramble bush right here that if you walk straight into it, it's going to cause you some pain, right? So you know how to go around it. You, you know how to avoid pitfalls, right? Things in the path that are going to cause you uh, harm. He says, walk circumspectly. That's how you walk circumspectly. When you're out hunting, you don't have fear, right? He's not saying be fearful, but you're walking aware of what's going on. Not as fools, but as wise. A fool, here's, here's a couple things a fool does. A fool says anything that comes to their mind. A fool believes everything he hears. A fool, Proverbs says a lot about fools, if you want to read about fools. But fools don't they, don't, they blunder along. And they don't recognize things that are like a pitfall. Things that will uh, bring death to them. He's saying, don't be a fool, but a wise person. How, how does a wise person act? Well, a few things a wise person does. A wise person, they'll reserve judgment until they hear both sides of the story. Isn't that what Proverbs says? A wise person doesn't say the first thing that comes to their mouth. A wise person knows how to hold their tongue. And a wise person knows how to recognize danger, near and far. That's a wise person. And he goes on to say, redeeming the time. Let me get that. <clears throat> redeeming the time because the days are evil. I see a couple of things in this. The first thing being, no matter if you're sorry, two years old, one year old, two year old, to the oldest person in here, we all have the same amount of time in a day, right? We all have 24 hours. Whether you think so or not, except if you're a mother with young babies, then you have no control over your time or not a whole lot. You get to choose how you spend your time, whether you waste it on things that are completely foolish and pointless or whether you spend it in a productive way, right? You're the one that gets to choose that. Psalm 139 tells us that our days are numbered. You know that? It says all our days are preordained, written out. That's not a depressing thought. Knowing that you have a certain amount of days to live, that's not a depressing thought. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, right? What does that mean? He was sitting in a jail cell when he wrote it. But it meant, you know what, if you kill me, or if I, if I get to live, I continue to advance the kingdom of God. I continue to go on. If you kill me, I'm in the presence of God. So to him, it's a win-win. We shouldn't look at death as a depressing thing. Paul thought it's win-win either way, right? So our days are numbered. And how do, you, how do you spend the time? The other way 
to see this thing about redeeming the time because the days are evil is um, think of it this way. Use your time wisely because there's evil all around you. Did you ever, uh, <laughs> I almost didn't want to use this phrase, but then I realized it's rooted in scripture, so I'm going to use it. Idle hands of the devil's workshop. You ever hear that? It actually is very close to a couple Bible verses. In Thessalonians and Timothy, Paul says something about, he's like, we hear that there's some among you that are idle, leading them to become gossips and busybodies, uh, you know, just getting involved in things that you shouldn't. Um, he, he's saying, if you have no vision for your life, you're much more apt to get sucked into the evil that's around you. Is that true? If you have no vision, no goals that you want to hit, you're much more apt to just spend your life in a very fruitless kind of way. Now look at the next part. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I think that's exciting right there. That's the discern part that I want to talk about. Understand what the will of the Lord is. That means to put together, to comprehend, to discern God's will. That word will is his pleasure. Pastor Penn's taught us about that many times. God's will is God's pleasure. Why would he want you to understand what God's will is? Obviously you can, right? Obviously we can. I think it is because if you understand what God's pleasure is, say in your life, or in your family, or in your community, in America, you can join your heart to that, right? Now it's not just God's pleasure, it's my pleasure. Now I have a goal, now I have a vision for my life. If I can discern what His will is, if I can comprehend it, if I can put it together for my life, now I've got a goal, I've got something to go for. Do you think that can make a difference in the way you live? If you could understand what brings God pleasure for your family. Because you can. It can change the way you live. Suddenly, now you have something to shoot for. Suddenly, now you have a way to spend your time in a way that's a valuable investment. You're not wasting your time anymore. Sound good? All right, so the rest, of the, uh, the rest of this, do not be drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I'm not sure why, uh, well, I, I think I know. <laughs> the Bible often puts those two together. Don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Both of those um, kind of make people happy, right? So the rest of the... The rest of the chapter, it's, or the rest of this, these few verses, I, I see it as saying, don't feed your flesh, rather feed your spirit. So instead of spending your time 
in, in pointless things, drinking wine to bring you joy. Rather, do what we were doing this morning. Lift your voice and learn to praise and worship. And it won't feed your flesh with something that lasts as long as a hangover. Rather, it's building your spirit something that's eternal. All right. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's really, you can't do that as a proud person. The Lord is attracted to humility. And when we submit ourselves to each other in the fear of God. All right. We're going to talk more about discernment. And uh, I want to use an example, Jesus' example of discernment. Right? Discernment is important. Remember that. You and I need discernment every day. So, um, an example out of Matthew 22. I don't know if you remember this story, but the Pharisees would try to trap Jesus all the time. Remember, discernment shows you the hidden motives of the heart or the question that's behind the question. The Pharisees came to Jesus, and at this time, they're under Roman rule, right? Israel is, again, divided on an issue. It's the issue of um, paying taxes. The more liberal Jews... They supported Caesar, and they became part of the system. So they would pay taxes. Do you know the zealots? They refused to acknowledge Caesar as a king. They called him illegitimate, and they said, we're not paying taxes. So a very divisive issue in their day. And they come to Jesus with it and say, hey, haha, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? knowing that it's a flashpoint in their culture. Now, what do you do if you're Jesus? You answer one way and you alienate half the people you're trying to reach. And Jesus, full of wisdom and discernment, he saw what was behind the question. He saw they're trying to bring division. It's not that they really wanted to know, but out of the sermon in his heart, he said, why don't you give me a coin? Whose picture is on the coin? He said, Caesar, well, here you go. Pay to Caesar what's Caesar's and pay to God what's God. And it was such an incredible argument because he didn't answer it in a way that's going to alienate half the people. He answered in a way that put it back on their own conscience. He said, you know what? You make the decision. You make the decision Pay to God what's God's, pay to Caesar what's Caesar's. And they were astounded at the way he answered the question. So you don't call it beating around the bush, you call it wisdom. You call it discernment. I think that's a really good example for you and I on, on things of conscience, on the gray areas of life that the scripture's not like, this is a command, but it's like, you know what? You kind of have the freedom to see this, and we all see things differently. Use Jesus' example of discernment in not alienating, in not saying something, boom, 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 you know, that, that cuts off people. So, if you and I 
in, in those situations, if you and I choose to walk in the fear of the Lord, and that means to know that God is looking and God is watching, in those places, out of the, out of the integrity of my own conscience, I'll make a decision for myself and my family, and I can extend the same freedoms to other people to make the decisions that they feel are right in the integrity of their own conscience. I think that makes a healthy body. So discernment is much more than just discernment of spirits. Have you, have you heard of discernment of spirits? Discernment of spirits is actually a gift of, this, gift of the spirit that he gives to his people. And uh, it's actual gift of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's what the Bible says. He, he gives it to some people to, uh, that we would know and be aware of the, uh, the spirit world. And there's an example of that in Acts 13. I thought this was an interesting example. Paul and Barnabas are traveling. They're on a missionary journey. And they come to the island of Cyprus. And somehow they get connected to the governor. And they go in and they start preaching to the governor. Well, don't you know who's standing beside the governor is a guy whose name is Bar-Jesus. And it was just a common name of the day. It had nothing to do with the Jesus Christ that we know. But this guy, Bar-Jesus, he, as they're presenting the gospel to him, it said, in Acts it says, he withstood them and tried to turn the governor away from the faith. Paul used discernment of spirits. He looked at him, and he knew he was a sorcerer. He knew he was involved in witchcraft. That's what it says in Acts 13, if you read it. He looked at him, it said, being filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at him intently, and said, you just look that up. I don't have the correct one. Here we go. 13.10. There it is. Then Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at him intently and said, Oh, full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, <laughs> you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? Now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the governor believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. That's an interesting way to respond to somebody. I don't think that gives me or you the freedom to call our governor or any governor a son of the devil, those kind of things. But it is interesting, when he was discerning of spirits, when he saw, listen, there's actually witchcraft behind this. And so he spoke to that, and it resulted in salvation. This is also true in, in the area of, not a whole lot's changed. This governor had someone in the occult, very close to him, influencing his decisions. That happens today. That happens today when you see unrighteous decisions made. Sometimes you could think, 
oh, that's somebody that has a different opinion. Perhaps, but perhaps it, it's being influenced by straight-up witchcraft. They're, they're in the offices today. How do you respond? How do you reply? I don't know that you have access in that kind of way, but we can pray. We can be full of the Spirit, right? Those are two options that we do have. <clears throat> Here's what I want uh, you to see. Discernment comes from the Lord. Here was Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings. He prayed this. Give your servant a discerning heart to distinguish between right and wrong. That was his prayer in the dream. Here's what God replied. I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. Understanding means discerning. Between good and evil, between right and wrong, between true and false. That was Solomon's experience. What did Solomon write later in life? In Proverbs 2, you could turn there. Proverbs 2, 1 to 7. He wrote this. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. This applies to you and I. So listen. And apply your heart to understanding Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. Look at the couple things he says. Apply your heart to understanding. Cry out for discernment. Lift your voice for understanding. Seek for her as silver. Search for her as hidden treasure. There's some intensity going on there. Is there not? There's intensity. There's passion behind that. Here's what I think we got to take away from it. Sometimes you got to dig for discernment. Truth isn't always just laying on the surface. What's accurate might not be what you hear. Do you think the Lord wants you to understand the will of the Lord? Wants you to understand his pleasure? Sometimes you got to dig. For your own life, the whole way uh, to everything. So discernment comes from the Lord. But I also want, want to show you another thing. Discernment can also come from your own spirit through maturity. And this is out of Hebrews 5.14. The writer of Hebrews, whoever it was, he's trying to make a point. And he's trying to urge people to maturity, spiritual maturity. And he uses this whole thing of milk and meat. 
Anyone ever hear of that? The milk and meat thing? So he's saying, listen, guys, you should be, you should be more mature. Like, you should be teaching other people. But instead, you want, you want somebody to stick a bottle in your mouth and feed you. He's using that argument as like a goad to get him to mature. And teach really is, is can you influence? Can you disciple anyone else? It's not, it's not a position. Can you influence somebody else? You can become a teacher. So he's using that. Then he goes on to say, Solid food belongs to the mature who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You ever see a baby? They stick everything in their mouth, right? It could be Legos, the dog poop. Like anything that's in front of them goes in their mouth. Pieces of dirt, they'll just put it in their mouth. That says like newborn where they're just laying on the floor. When they're two years old, They've acquired things. Their senses have been trained by reason of use. You know? They know that candy tastes good and dirt doesn't. So they've stopped, they've stopped certain things. They know, what, they know what's good. Right? Maturity in discernment is a little bit the same way. I thought of a... Uh, <clears throat> I, thought, I thought of an instance in my life. Uh, my dad had a hardware store. And I love talking with the people that came in there. It was, it was just fun. People knew my name, you know. You get to hang out with him. Well, there's this one individual. He was a little different. He was, uh, I didn't know he was shady, but he was interesting. He would come in, and uh, he would tell me stories of when he got shot, and he'd let me feel the bullets underneath his skin. I have no idea if that was true now, but I was fascinated with this guy, right? And all the while, he's telling me stories like this. He is literally taking tools off the shelf and slipping them in the baby carrier. He had a, a baby that's like six months old, and he's slipping these $50 tools inside of there, telling me stories. Then he would leave, and then he would bring them back after a while and say, you know what? Grandma bought me this, and I didn't need it. And because we're friends, we didn't, we didn't you know, require a receipt. Well, we got a new store manager who had some street smarts. And he saw what happened one time. He's like, that's not right. I had no idea. I was with the guy when the new manager came back. And he said, hey, uh, just want to let you know that security has picked up on you. And uh, he had zero proof. He said, security has picked up on you. And I just wanted to give you an opportunity to make it right before I call the police, because I'm calling them, if you don't. And the guy spilled the beans. Here he had been stealing for a long time. And he's just, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just, please don't call the police. I can't. I, I have a baby and all this. I had no idea. I was a baby. I, I had no discernment in that area. <laughs> all of a sudden, my discernment went up. And I'm like, people do this? Wow. Did you ever have an opportunity where you're talking with somebody they're talking to you, and all of a sudden they say something inside, something says that was a lie. Do you ever have that experience? I'm not talking about anybody in here, okay? <laughs> I've had those experiences. How many of you have experienced that? That's your discernment. You need to pay attention to that discernment. That discernment is from the Lord. 
and he wants you to live with it. It'll guard your life. It'll, it'll tell you the difference between true and false, right or wrong, good and evil. I'm not saying that that's always, always right. But I believe it's a gift that God gives you for life and for godliness. One more thing and then we're closing. Your discernment will be affected by what you listen to. Your discernment, if you choose, nothing wrong with listening to Rush Limbaugh or Oprah or your favorite celebrity, right? Nothing wrong with that. But if you give their words more weight, then you give the word of God on an issue. If you give their words more weight, then you will Proverbs. Your discernment will follow that, right? God's word must be your plumb line with how you discern truth. Not your favorite person, your favorite celebrity, right? So listen to truth. Some things you can only learn through maturity. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't believe everything you hear. Test the Spirit's. Why don't you stand up? I want to read one more verse. And I want to pray for you. This is out of Psalm 119, 66. He says, teach me good judgment or discernment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. So why don't we just pray that same prayer? I don't know what else to do except ask the Lord the same way Solomon did. He said, would you teach me discernment? So why don't you just do that yourself? Put a hand on your heart. Lord, we pray this Psalm 119. We say, teach us good judgment. Teach us discernment because it comes from you. You're the one that gives it. Just as Ephesians 5 says, we want to understand what brings you pleasure, what your will is, because we want to partner with that in our homes, in our church, in our community, and in our country. Fill us with wisdom, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.